Welcome to New Life Church Sermons. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to connect more with us, go to newlifesl.church. All right. Now I know what I'm going to preach. Uh, good presence of the Lord here today. And I'm going to read from Exodus chapter 1. We're going to start at verse 8. New Life kids can be dismissed to their class. Exodus chapter 1, verse 8. We prepare to read. Just look at somebody and tell them, I'm so glad you're here today. We really are so glad you're here today. Exodus chapter 1, verse 8. Now there arose a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them. She get... <laughs> When the enemy of God's people says, let's deal wisely with them, what do you think of? I think of a serpent. Let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply. Wisely, shrewdly, seductively. Um, we got to stop the multiplication. So it come, and it come to pass that when there falleth out any war... They join also unto our enemies and fight against us. They get unified against us. And so get them up out of the land. Therefore they did set over them task masters to afflict them with their burdens. Everybody say burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Python and Ramesses. But the more they afflicted them, Everyone say, the more they afflicted them. Now say this, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. Every effort of the people of God's enemy to stop them failed. And it frustrated and grieved them. And so... Verse 13, the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor, and they made their lives bitter. The child of God made their life bitter with hard bondage in mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. And the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of one was Shiphrah, and the name of the other Puah. And he said, When you do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women, and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then you shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God. There was somebody in the land of Egypt that feared God. And did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved.
the men children alive. And the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said unto them, Why have you done this thing and have saved the men children alive? And the midwives said unto Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are lively and are delivered ere the midwives come in unto them. Therefore God dealt well with the midwives and the people multiplied. Say multiplied and waxed very mighty. Say very mighty. And it came to pass because the midwives feared God that he made them houses. I want to just, uh, we'll title this message today. This baby will be born. This baby will be born. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your presence in this house. We thank you, God, for the people of God who are here today. We ask, Lord, that there would be a revelation of your word that goes forth. I pray, Lord, that we would have faith for what you have already declared. As you confirmed Wednesday night, it's already done. We bind every spirit that would seek to hinder your will from being accomplished. And I pray, God, give us ears to hear and a heart to receive. And we will give you all glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One more time, let's clap our hands to the Lord. Let's give him praise. You can be seated. This story is the fulfillment of something God had told Abraham years before that Abraham's seed would be uh, in bondage in a strange land. He would bring them out. And Joseph was sent to Egypt to preserve the nation of Israel, the people and the descendants of Abraham. He was sent there. He did not realize that when he was going through his trials and his tribulations. He did not realize that when he was betrayed by his own brothers. He did not realize that when he was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. He did not realize that when he was forgotten in the Egyptian jail for two extra years after he rightfully um, and correctly interpreted a dream uh, he did not realize all of that at the time. But through every trial, through every betrayal, through every setback and situation, he found himself um, one step closer into the court of Pharaoh, one step closer to being put into the position that God had ordained him to be in to orchestrate this preservation and fulfillment of God's word. And so Joseph is now dead though. And uh, Joseph's family who had moved to Egypt when they were reunited with Joseph, uh, they have grown and they have multiplied. And what was just one family under Jacob is now multiplying into 12 tribes of what would be known as 12 tribes of Israel. And Verse 7 of Exodus 1 says the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty. 
and the land was filled with them. There's a progression to this verse. It's not just a bunch of nice adjectives to describe Israel. There's a progression. We want the filling. We want the building to be filled. We want this Bay Area to be filled with people born again of water and spirit. We want to be mighty. We want to multiply. We want abundance. But before all of that ever happened, it says the children of Israel were fruitful. If you want to be abundant, if you want to multiply, if you want to be mighty, and if you want to see things filled, we need to first start with being fruitful. We need to first start with allowing what God is doing in us to produce fruit. We need to allow the infilling of his spirit to not just be goosebumps and an unknown tongue. We need to let it multiply and produce into love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, self-control. And that will bring about abundance. An orange tree cannot be abundant if it's not first fruitful. And then after abundance, there comes into multiplication because what that tree produced, you can take part of that tree and plant it into other soil and it will begin to produce what it was taken from. That's actually what the idea of being apostolic is. Multiplication and then waxed exceeding mighty when more and more of what began as a small thing is being multiplied and what was multiplied begins to be fruitful and grow and grow. Then there's more and more and more. Then the land's filled with it. Isn't it so cool that our logo is a tree? That's the progression here. And all of a sudden, because the land was filled with them, a new king arose over Egypt, which did not know Joseph. And he just saw the fruitfulness and the abundance and the multiplication and the might and the fact that the land he was king over was filled with foreigners. The land that he was supposed to have dominion over was filled with such a mighty, abundant people that if they ever decided they wanted to take over, he knew they could. And so he, because he's afraid, seeks to use fear, intimidation, hardship, affliction, and burdens to keep them pushed down. Because he's realized if they ever awaken to who they are, if they ever get this thought in their mind, we don't stand a chance. So he sought to keep them burdened and keep them uh, preoccupied with all of their problems and all of the burdens and all of the impossibilities and all of the struggle so that they would never think beyond And he made them work for him and build cities. But it says the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. Makes me think of that term, favor ain't fair. It doesn't matter if you're blessed. 
or it doesn't matter if you're being persecuted. If you're a child of God, if you're a church of Jesus Christ, if you're the people of God, you can multiply anywhere, under any circumstance. It doesn't matter who the king is. It doesn't matter who the governor is. It doesn't matter who the world ruler is. If you're a child of God, you may be pilgrims and strangers in this land, but greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And if you ever awaken to who you are, anybody believe that today? If you ever realize who you are, who you are as a child of God is not dictated by the world around you, but it is who is in you. Jesus Christ, the hope of glory, the spirit of Christ, the Holy Ghost. Jesus told his disciples, occupy till I come. That's a military term. It doesn't mean be preoccupied till I come. But you can't occupy till he comes if we're so bogged down with the problems of the world. The problems of the world have nothing to do with who we are because we are in this world, but we're not of it. We're not a part of this kingdom. We're a part of another kingdom, the kingdom of God, whose king that sits on the throne, he will never be dethroned. That is your God. so they're being afflicted they just keep multiplying and growing and it says they made their lives bitter with hard bondage bitter if you get bitter you won't go any further till you get that out we like the fruit of the spirit talking about that tree there's another type of spiritual plant the Bible talks about, and it is a root of bitterness until that is plucked out. The enemy is prevailing over you, but we're not ignorant of his devices. And when you look at the context of what that says, when I believe in Ephesians, Paul mentions it. He's talking about unity, forgiveness, loving one another. And don't let anything stop that. We're not ignorant of his devices. So Pharaoh and the Egyptians make their lives bitter, make them work, service in the field. And they just keep multiplying and growing. And he's realizing, I can't stop them with persecution. I can't stop them with bondage. I can't stop them with bitterness. I can't stop them with all of this work. I cannot preoccupy their multiplication by causing them to serve me and forcing them to do what I want them to do. I still can't stop them from growing. So if he can't stop it with all of those tactics, he'll just try to kill it. Just kill it. So he tells the Hebrew midwives to go, and any son of a Hebrew woman that is born, they are to kill that baby. But the midwives feared God. 
It was a small group of people. It wasn't the whole nation involved in this. Just a small select few. Just women skilled in the delivery of birth. That feared God and would not do what Pharaoh commanded. Understand it wasn't everybody that was involved in this. It's just the Hebrew midwives. And they feared God more than Pharaoh. And so they obeyed God rather than men. And they preserved the next generation. It was as if they were saying, I don't care what Pharaoh says. I don't care what may come against me. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what condition our life is in or what struggles we may face. This baby will be born. It is the will of God that this baby be born. I want to say something to this church. I want to say something to every person under the sound of my voice. There is a spiritual baby in the womb of this church. There is going to be a harvest of souls that is uh, mind-blowing. There are hungry, hurting people all throughout the Bay Area. Do not believe the lies of Pharaoh to make you think it is impossible. I don't obey Pharaoh. I don't listen to Pharaoh. I do not allow what Pharaoh brings against me to overwhelm me. I obey God rather than men. And I'm here today to say this baby will be born. I don't care what kind of hell we have to fight. I don't care what kind of opposition we face. I don't care what lies are said about us. And I don't care what devils get stirred up. I'm telling you in the name of Jesus, this baby will be born. And I already know the end of the story. Those children that were born in Egypt preserved by the God-fearing midwives of Israel, they crossed through the Red Sea, but Pharaoh and his armies were buried in the Red Sea. I already know the end of the story. The enemy will be defeated, and God's people will get the victory, and this baby will be born. So what does that mean for you? You don't just sit back and get excited when the prophecy goes forth and when the word is declared. What do you do? How do you help birth the baby? How do you help make sure and, and guard this precious promise of God? You got to stay unified. This unity will kill the harvest. And I will not allow anything to stop what God is about to do. This baby is in the womb. And very soon you're going to feel the birth pangs because it's about to be birthed. There is something about to happen. So what do you do? You've got to guard that baby. You, you, the church is the mother. 
and we've got to guard this place. You've got to guard your mind. You've got to guard your family. You have a responsibility as a saint of God in this church to fight and war for the prophecy. You've got to make sure Pharaoh's not getting anywhere near this baby. There is no thought of the enemy that's going to fester in my mind that's going to cause me to speak something contrary to the promise of God. There's no offense that's going to manifest in my spirit that block what God is going to do. We are going to fight for this harvest and the baby will be born. Midwives, people skilled in the birth of children. There wasn't many of them. That's why small churches can have promises just like big churches. Because every big church started as a small church. And then they birthed some spiritual babies. Look around. It's filling up. There's 15 people that voted me and my wife in. Look around. I think there's more than 15 here today. And that was just in less than three years. Why? The baby is going to be born. You're just seeing the first fruits of what's about to happen. And if God can do all of this in a couple years, what can God do over the next five, over the next ten? And he can do sudden works. So what do you do? You keep praying. You need to lock in in prayer. It's not, oh, God, give me a good day anymore. You need to understand who you are as a child of God. You need to pray the word of God and the promises of God. You need to plead the blood over your family and over this spiritual baby that's about to be born. You need to live holy. You need to guard what goes in front of your eyes and into your ears. And if you guard what goes into your eyes and into your ears, only good things are going to come out of your mouth because whatever you let into your heart is going to come out of your mouth. But if you just fill your mind with God's word and you fill your spirit with God's presence and you let the love of God have its full work in your life, you're going to speak the word of God. You're going to declare the goodness of God in the land of the living. The promises of God are not going to be fulfilled through unholy people. They're going to be fulfilled through consecrated, committed, holy people. Because our God is holy. And we have a mandate from heaven to be holy. Because he is holy. And if we're going to image a holy God to this unholy region, we've got to live holy. I'm done allowing the seducing spirits of the enemy to infiltrate my mind. I'm going to set my mind on him. I'm going to have perfect peace because I love his law. I'm going to set my mind on him and the peace of God that passes. All understanding will keep my heart and my mind, which means I can live in an area full of chaos, paganism, and ungodliness. But because my mind is on God's word and my affections are set on things above what is going on around me does not affect what's in me and the lies swirling around my mind cannot war against the promise of God in my spirit because I got alone with God in a prayer room and the Lord came to me and spoke some things to me the Lord 
has come to you and spoke some things to you. And you need to keep that in your mind and say, this baby will be born. My children will be saved. My spouse will be restored. My family will be redeemed. I don't care what they're doing today. I've got a word from God.